I'm curious to know, like, the ones that ended up on your shortlist, why did you choose those? Like, I've got reasons for the ones that ended up on my shortlist because there'd be other books that were also, quote, unquote, my favorite, mm-hmm. but I had to leave them off for the sake of, you know, the number of, of books that were going to hit. Um, but what was your reason, I suppose, for the ones that ended up making it? Okay, so I totally agree with you. It was difficult for me as well. There were a lot of books that I had that I was like, oh, I really want to put that one on. (laughs) But other than the criteria of just like how impactful these books have been for me, which I'll talk about when I shared the books, kind of my overall like cut criteria was, have I read this book more than one time? And every book on my list, I've read it multiple times, like more than twice. That is interesting. I did not know that about you. And I am someone who does not reread books. Really? Yes. Hey, friends. It's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia, and Puerto Rico, to be exact. And we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. I'm Kate. And I'm Nicole. And welcome back to another Candid Conversation with us. Each week, we bring you a new conversation about a topic that we can relate to. We share our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you'll realize that one, you're not alone. And two, that open and honest convos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. Hi, Kate. Hi, Nicole. Ooh, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing very well. I'm excited to talk about our topic today because I know it's one that we've not only visited already in a previous episode, but it's a top. Well, I feel like you're much better about this than I am reading. Only very recent. Recently. It's a recent habit. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I'll share a little bit more about that when we get to one one of my favorite books. I do feel like I'm getting better at this because throughout the day I've been taking time out to read and that's been really helpful because before I always just reserved it for right before bedtime. And then as we all know, and I've mentioned multiple times, I make it about one page and then fall asleep. (laughs) And in the daytime, I'm actually able to hit like 10 or 15 pages. (laughs) Who would have thought? What time of day do you have a particular time of day? Um, Usually like if I'm, you know, going to maybe go grab lunch or something like that, I'll read while I'm eating or around that time. So like mid afternoon. I do that too now. Yeah. yeah. During lunch. Oh, good. Okay. That's a reason. We got to share more tips like this. <laughs> yeah. The last time we shared, we talked about our favorite books. I noticed it was one of our popular episodes. Oh, got, good, got good. a lot of interest. Yeah. I think people want some recommendations sometimes. That's where the best recommendations come from is from your friends. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so today's topic is going to be all about our favorite books. And perhaps you remember the episode we're referring to episode 77 is when we talked about the books that we were reading right now at that time. But today we thought it would be fun to share more of a all time favorites list with you, because I remember we mentioned in that episode that there were so many books that came up for us when we were thinking about this, but they were books that we had read in the past. So as I said earlier, 
you know, I know we're both big fans of reading and I'm really excited to hear what some of your favorites are, Nicole, because yep, again, recommendations from friends are the best. And perhaps me and you can share a couple books that each other hasn't read yet and for our friends as well. I'm excited. I think this is, um, again, I get to learn something about you that I didn't know. I don't think we've talked about our all time favorite books. Yeah, I don't think even. so either. Yeah. And this was like, a, this was a really fun exercise too. And just preparing for this episode, because it really made me think back to some books, like a couple of the books on my list are books that I read in school, like high school. Mm. And well, so yeah. it was kind of fun to go back. <laughs> right. I actually found it hard to reduce it. I know we wanted to just keep our list to five because it could go mm-hmm. on and on. I've done a lot of reading over the years, um, but it was hard to, to reduce it to five. So I'm curious to know, like, the ones that ended up on your short list, why did you choose those? Like, I've got reasons for the ones that ended up on my short list because there'd be other books that were also, quote, unquote, my favorite, mm-hmm. but I had to leave them off for the sake of, you know, the number of, of books that were going to hit. Um, but what was your reason, I suppose, for the ones that ended up making it? Okay, so I totally agree with you. It was difficult for me as well. There were a lot of books that I had that I was like, oh, I really want to put that one on. (laughs) But other than the criteria of just like how impactful these books have been for me, which I'll talk about when I shared the books, kind of my overall like cut criteria was, have I read this book more than one time? And every book on my list, I've read it multiple times, like more than twice. That is interesting. I did not know that about you. And I am someone who does not reread books. Really? Yes. Ever? Well, the, there is one book that's made it on this list, and that is the only book that I've read twice. Wow. Okay, so then what was your criteria? So my criteria was books like you you said the word impact. So in terms of impact, it's either impact um, on an emotional level, like I got really emotional about the book or it had that emotional impact on me or it had an impact that it changed uh, my day-to-day my thinking my mindset Mm. Mm -hmm. so it's a book that's left a really lasting like I might not remember all the details because it you know I read it maybe a few years ago um, but something from that book I carry and do regularly consistently because of something Mm -hmm. I read in that book so that was my criteria I also thought about books that I didn't want to end like when I got to the end I was like no it's it's finished no 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 I want it to continue um or books that have made me cry which I suppose go back to the emotional impact Mm hmm. Okay, well, I'm so excited to hear about your books, because there's the first book on your list I've never heard of before. So do you want to kick us off by sharing your first? Yes. Okay, well, the first book is actually four books. So it's like oh, okay. I kind of snuck in a few. Extra <laughs> well, they're a series of books. So the series is called My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante. They're known also as the Neapolitan novels. They're four books. These books definitely did the rounds. I think they were in all the book clubs. It is an Italian um, series. I did read them in English, though, um, and, I, and I did read these in paperback. So it's their fiction. It's a fictional uh, series. And the story is about 
you're going to love this. It's about two friends, Elena and Leela. They're the main characters. And it's set in Naples, in Italy. But it's a very poor, it's southern Italy. It's very poor. It's like the 1950s. It's very rough. It's quite violent. And what it does is it starts out with these two friends. They're about, I'd say they started about seven, eight years old. And the four novels essentially traverse their whole friendship into, I think it ends up around in the 80s, 90s maybe. And so they're about 60 years of age. And it's the whole story of these two women, their friendship. Aww. I know it's it's. Oh, my God. It is such a beautiful, beautiful story. And then at the same time, you've got the backdrop of Italy and events that take place throughout the different decades. The country's changing. The city's changing. The neighborhood where they live is changing. They change, of course, as as, as humans. They grow. They mature. And right. um and so you've got this whole evolution of this friendship and, you know, where they've grown up. And it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just beautiful. Oh, that's awesome. I'm really excited to check this out. I think you'd really enjoy it. I think if you yeah. asked maybe some of your girlfriends if they've read it, I think some, some people would, would have heard of it. Okay. My girlfriend, Jen, is like feverish about reading and she always has all these fiction recommendations. Uh-huh. So I bet that if any of my friends have read, it's probably her. Yeah. <laughs> all right. My first pick, and I, I don't have mine in any particular order. Do you? No, mine aren't in order. No. Okay. I mean, this one's just so easy and top of mind for me because I talk about it all the time. I bet people can probably guess it if they listen to our podcast regularly. (laughs) Uh, But it's Essentialism by Greg McKeown. And this book, I mean, when you talk about impact and just kind of like changing the way that you look at things and the way that you do things, this was really huge for me. It was right around a time when I first read it, just very passionate about getting more of my time back. I was really passionate about learning more on time management and how I could be doing things better. And really, it was during a time that I was struggling big time with saying yes to everything. Mm. And I knew that if I wanted time back and that if I wanted to create freedom in my schedule, that I needed to figure out a way to cut that because it was, it was just so hard for me. I felt bad about saying no. And I didn't know how to say no. And this book really taught me like so much about one of the most powerful lines from it that I recount all the time that I remind myself of is every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to everything Mm -hmm. else that you could be doing with your time. And that really puts so much into perspective for me when I was being asked to do something or commit to something that I knew in the moment wasn't something that I wanted to be spending my time doing. Before it was like my emotions of it and like feeling bad around it would overtake. Mm -hmm. But after I read that, I'm saying no to me, to John, to Gus, to my friends, to my family, to any number of other things that I could be doing right now for something that I don't really want to do. Like it just doesn't make sense. (laughs) So it was really hugely impactful for me. There's a visual in that book. I have, I read the book too. I only read it once and I read it years ago. So I definitely want to revisit it. I don't know when, but I will. (laughs) I will try. Mm -hmm. Maybe this will be, you've inspired me to to reread books. There's a visual 
that stayed with me. I think he's got the word energy and there's like scribbles all around the word. So you imagine this uh-huh. is like kind of s- stress ball in a visual. And then there's little arrows that are shooting out, short little arrows that are shooting out all around this little ball. And then there's one arrow that goes really, that shoots out from the same center but it shoots out much much longer and the idea of that correct me if i'm wrong because you have read this book is that if you are constantly spreading your energy across so many different areas and things and whatever then you only get so far like these little arrows are really little Mm. short arrows but once you focus on say one of these things you can go so much further Mm. and you can really stretch capability or the ability of of that thing that you're focused on so much further than if you were spread so thin am i remembering that right and well he really has his visuals in the book are so simple like almost Mm. childlike sketches yes but they send such a distinct message i was burned in my mind that picture mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just like some of those images to me so well represented the chaos that i felt in my life Uh and in my mind about time yeah and yeah he just really has a way of breaking it down in very simple terms that are very absolute and that again going back to the when you say yes to something you're saying no to everything else you could be doing with your time how simple is that to Mm -hmm. like get real clear on whether or not you want to say yes to something awesome All right. I'm going to jump to my next book. I'm going to jump to the last one on the list here because you said something at the start of this conversation where you said, oh, you know, you're so much better at reading. You read a lot, you know, a lot more than I do. Well, I'm going to say, first of all, thank you. But I'm going to say that this book is the book that got me into a much more solid reading habit over the last, I'd say, three years now. And it's The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Mm, have you read such a fantastic book yes Uh, okay so essentially why this book is on my short list of my favorites is because of the impact it had it's complete it completely transformed my morning routine and one of the things it transformed was introduce more time for reading it was one of the things I wanted to do I always felt guilty that I didn't read as much as I used to when I was back in college and this book helped me. So I think he st- he opens the book with almost like a near-death incident. It's a really fascinating mm-hmm. story. He seems like such an awesome guy. So in the, in the book, he outlines six practices of the what he refers to as the miracle morning. Now, I don't do all of the six practices, and I'll, I'll just list them off here. So it's um, silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing or journaling. And I remember when I first read the book, I thought, oh, I want to do all of these. This is an awesome way to start the day. Also the concept of getting up earlier as well. So after I read his book, I was really inspired. And I think that's when I actually started my 5am habit of getting up at 5am, mm-hmm. um, which, I've, which I've stuck to uh, pretty much to this day. And so even though I don't do all of those six practices the ones that I do do every morning is the silence meditation Uh, often I'll do the journaling but reading I stuck to the reading practice and that's how I introduced more reading because it was one of the things I wanted to do and I thought well I can do it if I get up earlier 
and I actually make it a habit. Um, and you might be like, oh my God, I do not see myself waking up at 5am to do any of this stuff. It sounds horrible. I think I probably thought the same, but it did. It changed my life. It changed my daily habit of waking up early and, and starting my day really with intention. And I attribute it to this book. And I've spoken to so many people who have literally had their life changed around implementing a miracle morning their version of it. Mm. Like you said, it doesn't have to be these six things and it doesn't have to be exactly the way that Hal describes it. And he even says that too. Uh, so I think that's awesome. And it's funny that you say that like, that's how reading has become so much more a part of your everyday, because that's actually one time of the day that I have not tried to set aside time for reading. So it'd be interesting to see what happened if I do that. Mm. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, my next is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Have you read this book? No, but I believe I have it on my bookshelf. And oh, I believe. No yes. No, I have a The New Earth. A New Earth? Oh, yeah. That was his follow up. Okay. So I've read both of them. So I read The Power of Now. Oh, gosh. 14 years ago, probably it was like 2010. And it's funny how this book came into my life, because all these books like have spanned very different time periods of my maturity, oh, and, maturity. Yeah, okay, maturity and different chapters in my life. Uh, and the power of now was probably uh, one of the first I don't know if it's technically considered a self-help book, but kind of like in that genre of I'm reading this to try and help better myself. The first type of book that I read like that. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it just came to me at a time in my life when I was totally not living presently. Mm. And that's what the book is all about really is teaching you how to be present in every moment and the impact of that, how important that is. And I was still, you know, I was younger mm. and I had just gotten out of a long, serious relationship that was really difficult to, and I ended it and felt just all kinds of horrible emotions around that. You know, I felt so bad that this relationship was coming to an end, even though I knew that it needed to. And this book was actually recommended to me. I, I saw a therapist like during that time. Yeah. And during our sessions, she recommended this book to me and said, I think this would be really good for you to read right now. And it really did just help me put like so much into perspective. And ever since I read that book, I really feel like it kickstarted like this desire to learn more about being present and how you don't have to live in the past and life isn't about always looking into the future and how much joy and like gratitude and excitement and life there is like right now in every moment. So, um, highly, highly recommend that book. I know for me, it just came like at the perfect time. Oh, I so want to read that. What a gift, right? Like mm. that was a really difficult time in your life, right? And then, you know, you've just yeah. 
going to therapy to deal with it. I mean, so, so brave of you, so much courage. And then to be given this book, which I have said this to you, I think a, a few times now, I really see you as someone who is very good at practicing and living this ability to live in the present. Oh, thank you. I, yeah. And it just goes to show like you were given this book, like what you said, 14 years ago, like how much time, like perhaps you didn't maybe you know practice as much of it you know it's it's a skill right it's it's a it's a mindset it's a way of life that i think is goes against goes against the way we're socialized like we're always thinking about goals we're always thinking about the future mm-hmm. or or we beat ourselves up for something that happened in the past you know and everyone says you know you might hear this phrase oh live in the present be in the present but unless you like really experience it or really truly understand it i think it's a really hard concept to grasp i think it takes time yeah. to get there one of the books that i'm going to be sharing has really opened my eyes to this concept and so i've discovered this like much later than you did and i think there's any, you can discover this at any time and it's a huge huge gift so maybe i'll jump to that book i was gonna hit another book but um the book that i'm talking about is the untethered soul mm. by michael a singer um, and this is the only book on my list that i've read twice okay that i've reread uh-huh. that i've reread and something crazy about this book is that one, as soon as I finished it, I remember when I got to the last page, I went right back to page one and started it again. It was, wow. the, yeah, it had such a profound impact on me. I suppose you'd put it in that same category. I don't know, self-help, personal development. I was in a bookshop one day and I saw another, another way they phrased that category and I just really loved it. But anyway, tangent. Let's go back to the untethered soul. So for me, the untethered soul is, it's my introduction to Zen Buddhism, okay, and Eastern philosophies. Mm -hmm. So, and this is the, the other wild thing, like I've been practicing yoga for so many years, so many of some of the philosophies I've heard my yoga teachers expounding on and talking about in class. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it. Okay, be present, let go, all of that. And I'm like, okay, I understand it, but... I didn't really understand those concepts until I read this book. And so some of the big things that kind of really hit me in this book are, well, first of all, I learned about like the conscious mind and that you are not your thoughts and you're not your emotions. Such a biggie. They're, yeah, they're big ideas. They're really, really big ideas. And, and, you know, it took me, I think that second reading to really understand a lot of these ideas. And it's not to say that thoughts and emotions aren't real, which is, not what is meant by that they are real they're things that you really do feel and experience but they're just experiences that you can kind of separate yourself from Mm -hmm. and when you separate yourself from them you are living more in the present and you're experiencing life you're actually experiencing more of life because you're not so attached to these thoughts that are in the past or in the future you know concerns Mm -hmm. and stresses of the future so this whole book just introduced me to so many of these huge ideas and I'm going to make a bold statement. I would say when it comes to my general stress levels, it's probably reduced my overall stress levels by like 80%. 
I have totally seen this in you. And I feel like Cass mentioned this on our last call too. Like really, you have a different air about it's changed my life. Kate. It really has. It shows. It shows. And I think I remember the first time this book came on my radar. I think it was with Ronsley. Ronsley, you've met Ronsley. He, He mentioned in passing that he had recommended this book to someone and they said it had changed their life. And that kind of stuck with me. Oh, I've got to read this life-changing book. And then we had, and then you won't believe it, the second time this book came on my radar was when we had the Merrymaker Sisters on the podcast and Emma, mm. Emma, Emma brought it up. She said it in passing. And, and that was like the moment I said, I'm ordering this book. And I didn't read it till just recently. Yeah. But yeah, it's been very profound. So, Well, I'm really glad that this book has had such a huge impact on you and very impressive that it's the only book that you've ever read twice. And I'm so happy that you've talked about it with me as much as you have both online and we've mentioned it in a few recent episodes on the podcast as well, because you, you've gotten me to get the book and I've started reading it and we have decided to do an episode totally dedicated to this book. So I'm really excited for that coming up. Me too. All right. Over to you, girl. What's your next book? Okay, my next one is The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. You've read this book, right? A long time ago. Yeah. Oh, but this is a classic. <laughs> I love that you've brought up a classic. This is so cool. Oh, I was big on such classics. Such a classic. Yeah, me too. There were there were actually several classics that were those books that I was like, I really want to put this on there, but... You know, it was just a little bit too far reaching. But I feel like The Great Gatsby is a book that almost everyone reads in school. Mm. A requirement, I feel like, at some point through high school. I mean, we read a lot of American novels, too, growing up. They'd put um, um, Australian novels into our curriculum, but we did have a, a heavy... I'd say, yeah, a lot of American novels, but I don't remember The Great Gatsby for us. I, know, I remember Tom Sawyer. That was one of the ones we had to read. Mm, mm-hmm. But yeah. I think I read The Great Gatsby um, in college, like in, at uni. Okay. So, so why is this one of your favorites? I mean, I just remember reading it and, you know, how it, this is way too long a story for me to get into like any details, but essentially I became an English major because I just thought the world of one of my English professors before I had declared my major. And he really showed me how incredible books can be because writers write them with one intention, whatever their intention is with the associations that they make or the language that they use and the overlap that happens. But as a reader, everybody gets to make their own call on what Mm -hmm. that means to them. And I just thought that was just like so incredible. Right. And the great Gatsby is one of those books where there's so many moments in it where there are flashes to different references and people and connections and relationships that it just was so open to interpretation. And I really loved that about it. That's why I never really like loved math and science because it was just so absolute. Like there was never it was only one way. And so oh. for me, like reading and books were kind of the the creative side of being able to see things from different perspectives. And The Great Gatsby was one of the first books that that was kind of introduced to me. So it's always just been one of my favorites. I've read it. Uh, I 
I honestly don't even know how many times I've read it. Probably like six or seven. (laughs) This is so interesting to me that you would read books over and over, but it also makes sense. It's like if you love a book, and I definitely have experienced the fact uh, with the untethered soul that my second reading, I got more out of it. So it's like, of course, reading it again, reading a great book again is going to have a significant impact. So I love, yeah, I love that you do that. And I love that. I love that you bring up too that, that open-endedness and like, it's almost like I was thinking about movies where sometimes they end with, with an ending that kind of leaves it up to the audience to make up their mind. Mm -hmm. And I know there's Mm -hmm. that type of person that really hates it when a movie ends like that I'm always the type of person that loves that type of ending yeah Uh, and it doesn't happen often I think a lot of you know films tend to want to close off but this idea of like make yeah coming up with your own interpretation I think it's um I think it's great so oh I'll have to revisit this because I actually do not remember and there are some great film adaptations of the book as well the original is excellent the more recent one which still probably like I don't know probably 10 years old or something Leonardo DiCaprio I mean just like fantastic oh you just reminded me of To Kill a Mockingbird that's another book that we did in school oh goody that's another all-time favorite Okay. Yeah. When you talked about the film adaptation. All right. Oh, I love this. I'll choose a, okay. A business book, which is also an autobiography. Um, and that is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. And I listened to this on Audible. So this was another, mm. I think that's what I wanted to ask you too, the way you prefer to consume books. I do not pre- like to consume books on Audible, but interestingly enough, there's two books on this list that I did listen on audible and and shoe dog by phil knight is one of them the reason why this book stands out to me um omar and i listened to it it was part of a road trip and we listened on the way up and on the way back and we finished it and so it was very memorable having that shared listening experience with him yeah essentially it's the it's the story uh it's a memoir it's a story of nike and it's told from the founder and ceo phil knight and he takes you back to the very beginning. He's young, he's 24, he goes backpacking around the world. He then decides, like, he's in Japan. Ah, this is interesting. Oh. He's, in, he's in Japan and he sees the um, Onitsuka Tiger, the, the trainers, yeah. and he falls in love with them and he decides to resell them. And I say it's interesting because you and I in Japan were in the same store. Well, not the same store, but one of the Tiger stores yeah, in Tokyo. I and love you, those shoes. And you bought a pair of Tiger shoes. So that's where um, his story begins when he decides to to resell these these Japanese training shoes. But I love this book for so many reasons. I definitely think I drew more on the business side of things, but it was such a, oh, it was just, it was really, it was very touching. Like he was very candid. He shared a, so many of the failures that Nike went through in the early days, like public failures that you think like, oh my mm-hmm. God, like everyone saw this, you know, shoes melting on a track, you know, for, <laughs> that was televised nationwide. Like, how are you going to recover from that embarrassment? And I just felt like there were so many stories and, and so many of the obstacles that they faced, that they overcame, that were really inspiring. Have you read it? I have read it. And I also was wondering if you have seen that recent uh, movie about Nike called Air. Yes. 
we saw it recently. Oh, I thought that was such a fantastic movie. I really liked it. It reminded me of just reading this book and yeah, I agree with you. I love memoirs and like these stories like this of people telling their business journeys because it makes you realize how many ups and downs it takes to actually get to success. And I think that's important to remind ourselves of. Yeah, because I think from the outset, everybody thinks of Nike as this multi-billion dollar mm -hmm. successful business and and they might, you know, look at all the things that can nitpick and criticize. But behind that is really a story of people who and, and not just him alone. I think what was yeah. one of the standout things for me in this book is his team the team that he built around him, this, the bond, this really strong bond between these people that he drew um, around him. And he realized, okay, I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. I need these great people with me. And which is something that, of course, you understand fundamentally when you start a business is like, you can't do this alone. It's all about the people around you. And there was just so many, and, and one, I remember one of my criteria was like the emotional and, or if it made me cry and I definitely cried towards the end. I mean, he shares mm. some heartbreaking stuff with the loss of his son and yeah, I just, it's, it is one of my favorite books. I would revisit it because I think it was, it was really beautifully told. I love that you and Omar shared the experience of listening to it together. Cause I can imagine you guys had maybe a lot of pause points where like you talked about stuff and shared different thoughts and things. And that, that's a whole different experience of consuming content, right? When you're doing it with someone else. Yeah. yeah. Those, That's yeah, cool. I remember the pauses. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. If you're on a road trip, like, yeah, music's great. We do podcast music, but a mm -hmm. book, it's a really nice experience to do that with someone else as well. Yeah. All right. My next is by T. Harv Ecker and it's Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which is, again, one of those business books that had such a profound impact on my journey. I remember reading it actually somewhat recently within the last five years, I would say maybe five or six years. And money has definitely been something that I've not really had probably the healthiest mindset around. Uh, and especially since meeting John and becoming much more open about talking about money. And then of course, building our life together and sharing money. And I've been in a lot of like really uncomfortable conversations around that because I didn't really grow up talking about money in my family, really. And you don't realize how much you don't know about, I, I learned so much about my own spending habits and s some really like serious issues that I really should have, you know, handled head on, but I didn't know how I was just not equipped with the knowledge of finances. <laughs> and so, you know, I graduated college with a bu bunch of debt and was like, Oh, no big deal. Everybody has college debt, like whatever, not realizing like, no, that is kind of a big deal because you're going to be paying a lot of money and a lot of interest over the coming years. Mm -hmm. And it's just not necessary, right? Like if I would have saved better, or, uh, yada, 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 so many different things. And, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, in when I was getting my graduate degree with so much credit card debt that I say so much credit card debt, this is all relative. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but to the point that at the time I felt like I had to go to my parents and ask to borrow money to pay off the debt because I was, I became like 
so anxiety ridden about what this interest was going to do. And I ended up having to move out of my apartment and, and get a smaller apartment because I didn't have enough money. And just all of these like life events having to do with money that I didn't realize what a profound impact they had had just on my financial savviness or lack thereof. And reading this book really like helped me work through a lot of that and face it and like actually, you know, go through it so that I could get past it. So definitely like a critical read, in my opinion, for anyone who feels like finances and money is maybe not their strong suit. Oh, this is so good. I want to read this. I have not read it and I'm with you. And I think so many people can relate to not growing up talking about money, not really understanding money and just not having people to talk about money too. Like it's just one of those Mm -hmm. some in many cultures, it's taboo. You don't talk about money. And then you're, like you said, riddled with all this anxiety and it can all just be unlocked by good advice, some, a mindset shift, a mindset change. Um, so, oh, so powerful that these books can exist and can help us. I think I want to go back and probably do a, a revisit on the money mindset. Mm. Maybe after I read this book. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this big mystery. I love that you've chosen this book and put it on your list because I don't think, I think money can really plague people, money, money mindset. Um, and it can be so unlocked, uh, with a really great book like this one. Yeah. Big time. All right. My last one on the list is, I'm not sure if you read it is kitchen confidential by Anthony Bourdain. I have not read kitchen confidential, but his memoir or was it a memoir? Yes. It was his first year, like an autobiography, but what was his last or am I thinking of the film? You might be, I might thinking, be thinking of, of the film. Roadrunner. Yeah. Yeah. Roadrunner. Roadrunner is a film. And then someone has recently written a biography on Anthony mm. since his. I mean, I just love Anthony Bourdain so much. So I, I, I'm actually surprised that I haven't read this book because they talked about it a lot in that film. And that film was just like, I loved it. So sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no. It was. I also on audible it's funny how i've said like i don't like to listen to books on audible but this one came across i think during while i had i had my subscription it's narrated by him so that's extra special um when you know it's the narrator themselves and i think he's a great writer if you've seen no reservations his his shows where he's narrating over over what's you know what's happening there's so much poetry in the way he describes things and i think he's extremely poetic i think he's really funny i think one of the things that was endearing about him was that he didn't take himself too seriously and he was very open about his flaws he's open about his drug addiction all the demons that he wrestled with it was just so refreshing to see someone be so brutally honest and raw about their vulnerabilities and yet have you know have so much to offer whether it's his you know culinary talents his the shows where he took us on all these incredible you know tours of food in different countries in different cities and different cuisines what I loved about this book so going back to the criteria is it is it something that's impacted me in a way that I adopt either on a daily basis or really change my mindset and there was one thing that came out of it it's going to seem really trivial but there's one thing that anytime I sit down with someone to order to order food whether it's a cafe or restaurant and they go for the specials 
I tell them immediately, no, don't order anything off the specials. <laughs> I've heard this from you multiple times. I, know, I, I just like one of those things I repeat, repeat advice. The specials generally, according to Anthony Bourdain, are usually the leftover produce uh, that hasn't, you know, that really needs to go very quickly and it's going to yeah. go off. And so they come up with this special dish, which is really just maybe the food that's a bit off, <laughs> not off, but you know, not as fresh. So that's one of the things that I carry with me. And I tell everyone, obviously I've told you multiple times. Okay. Another thing that little tips like, um, the best chefs don't work. Usually the head chef or the best chefs and cooks don't work on a Monday. So you're probably not better off, you know, going to restaurants on a Monday because you're going to get like, maybe just, you know, the less talented cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, and what else? Yeah, there were so many tips like, you know, ordering meat. That's if you if you're a meat eater and, and you order rare, if you order meat well done, they're not going to give you the best cut of meat because, you know, apparently chefs will not oh, cook. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So little things like that. I think ultimately, though, I think I love this book. Again, it's that raw honesty. It's an insight into an industry that I never really thought, oh, I'm so interested in, you know, chefs and kitchens. But he takes you right into the scenes of these kitchens, this industry, the people that work in this industry. And it's fascinating, especially if it's not your world, to just get insight into yeah. that. Highly recommend Kitchen Confidential by the late Anthony Bourdain. Oh, definitely going to check that out. All right. My last one is another classic. This one by Ernest Hemingway and it's called The Sun Also Rises. Have you read this book? I have not read it. My mom is a big Ernest Hemingway fan. I grew up hearing about all of his books, but I have not read this one. Mm. Oh, this tell one is me just more. like, oh gosh, it's a fantastic read. It's entertaining. It's exciting. And when I was thinking about why this book has been so impactful for me and why it came up for me as a favorite, it's honestly because I feel like when I read this book and I'm trying to remember exactly when I read it, I think it probably actually would have been like in college. It was kind of my first introduction to what travel can introduce you to. And oh. how like magical that can be. The book takes place in Spain and, you know, a lot of it's around like the running of the bulls and it, it just talks about like all these experiences that I remember reading it and thinking, wow, there's like so much happening in the world that I just remember thinking like, wow, there's so much out there to see and there's so much out there to experience. And like, I want to do that. So I really do kind of credit this book as like one that probably jump started my love of travel before I even knew what was possible with travel. Isn't that wild? Like, I, yeah. and I think this is just reignites my passion for why reading is so incredibly amazing and the books that are out there in the world every book can land and resonate with you in a completely different way to somebody else and it can give you something that someone might have read that book and looked at it from the literary prose point of view or the create done a creative analysis and not even contemplated the idea of other experiences of travel yeah 
but that's that it hit you in that spot and it, you know it, it impacted you in that way so i think that's really that's really awesome man books are so powerful it's, yeah <laughs> and you think about like oh there's so many books out there and what's my next read there's even these amazing classics that you can just go back to and you're going to get so much out mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm Oh, well, I love talking about our favorite books. I'm so excited to check out, well, definitely Kitchen Confidential and my brilliant friend, that series as well. Oh my goodness. I'm excited to dive in. I love the spread too. So we've got a whole spread of business, self-development, memoirs, a bit of a range here for for people. A bit of everything. A bit of everything. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to pick up the Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. I think I'm going to go for that before and then the power of now. Awesome. I can't wait to hear what you think. All right, friends. Well, as we close out today's chat on our favorite books, we hope that you've picked up a thing or two you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. And friends, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you have a friend in mind who might also enjoy our chats, share the podcast with them too. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate Can Relate on their favorite podcast app. Until next time.